Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some readings in the church here that practically preach themselves, and this reading from Luke today is one of those. Add to it one of the greatest hymns ever written, Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart. It's been passed down through the centuries that we just sang, and it's practically teed up for the preacher. And if any of you have ever been to the high-stakes world of t-ball, you know, even there are still whiffs in that league. But the reason why this is the case, why this just fits so well together, is because Jesus lays out clearly what he's saying. He's preaching law and gospel. He's showing us that there is life, life even beyond death. Now with this, though, there's both a twofold warning to us and great comfort as we find our confidence and hope in Christ. And it's so short, it's to the point, what St. Luke recorded for us. We hear, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. And so Jesus shows us, by way of this story here, that after life on this earth, there's still life. Now, it's either in paradise, heaven first, and then the new creation with the Lord and his people, or it's in hell, in torment. And this is the way it is, whether we believe it or not. This exists. Heaven and hell are real places, and real people are there. Now, the extent of both of this is not expanded upon too much in depth in our text today, but needless to say from the reading alone, it's not pleasant for the rich man. After he died, and after he departed from this earth, he had life, to be sure, but a life in anguish, life in suffering, and there's no end to it. Now, there are many things we could talk about, which is a great reason to hear this every year, but we always ask that question when we hear this text. It always comes up in our minds why each man is where he is. But Abraham serves as a preacher in this reading. He said, child, remember, this is to the rich man, that in your lifetime, you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he, the rich man, said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, 
If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So what Abraham tells us is the rich man had his reward, like Jesus says of the Pharisees. Your reward is in this world. So he lived his life to the fullest and had it in this world, but really, as we see in this text, he had nothing in these earthly things. And this is where the warning is very loud and clear. And it's something that we are to pay attention to because it has eternal ramifications. He clearly had the word of God, but he didn't listen to it. And it's told of the same of his brothers. And notice he knows full well who Abraham is here. He calls him father. The Jews called Abraham their father. The Jews had the word of God. So the anguish this rich man has, it's multiplied then when he hears these words, for they convict him. Even his own family, who is not in his state at this point, they are to listen to it lest they suffer the same thing he is. So when we hear this on this first account of this, this first warning, it hits us between the eyes because it shows us the importance of all of this. And we think about this as we think about something like next Sunday, for instance, which our country celebrates as Father's Day. Because the time and the day is now for us to instill this in our families. Hell is real. It's beyond knowing in this world how terrible it is. So as families, our first and primary thing should be, and our whole existence, should be listening to this warning of God's word in this reading. Listen to the scriptures. Hear them, study them, take them to heart, or as the old prayer says, inwardly digest them, chew them like a a cow chews on cud. Now, if this isn't happening in your family right now, listen to this reading today. Hear it and repent. Put the brakes on everything else going on in your life, as crazy as it may be right now, and start this very day, first and foremost, hearing God's word, going to church, reading the Bible, praying at home, being a student of these things. Because there's nothing more important in this world, for there's nothing, nothing more important, even more important than making sure your kids have food to eat. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because if they don't have the word of God, your children, your spouse, your family, your friends, your brothers, your neighbors have not, absolutely nothing. And everything in this life, no matter how hard you've worked, how long you've worked, has been for nothing. So that's the first part of this warning that God looks at us today. And he preaches to every one of us to examine our life. We think about this time that we've been going through and how we've been given opportunity to examine ourselves and kind of as a wake-up call amid that's all that's been this year. And Lord knows what is even to come in this year. And God shows us that everything we know, value, love, and think and can be here one day, and it can be gone the next. And that's why we see these things, and we don't get fooled. We don't try to rationalize it. We don't try to think we somehow can outsmart God or pull one over on him or think that we're above these things or just simply close our ears and say, it doesn't matter. God calls all of us to repent today, to repent right now. And that other temptation for us 
which we hear as the second fold part of this warning, is just as deadly. And it wants us to seek something else. And this is where it really hits us as Christians when we have God's word placed in our homes or when we do try to seek to be faithful to it or maybe when we are confessing it and it falls on deaf ears or it's received for a season and then it's rejected by those we love or any number of things. And this is where the devil will try to trick you because he likes to do this. He will try to get you to think, well, you know what? The word of God didn't work, or the word of God isn't working. Maybe try this tactic, this method, or change this thing, or insert any number of things, or maybe just massage this in a different way. But look again to this reading from Luke. What did God say? He said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither they will be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So even if someone should arise from the dead and tell your, you or your loved one, hey guys, I was wrong, you'd better go to church, you'd better listen to your pastor, you'd better read the Bible, you'd better take all this stuff seriously, you'd better look at your life and, and see what's going on. Even if that were to happen and people were to see this guy walking through the streets, walking through the mini-mart in Keystone, Iowa, it would not be as effective or as sure and true as God's word being preached to you right now. So don't stray from God's word. Don't be fooled too by false doctrine as we prayed in that, the same in that hymn a few minutes ago. Listen to God's word. Because gee, wasn't there somebody who rose from the dead and they still rejected him? So the fault doesn't lie with God. It doesn't lie with what he says or how this is the means that he works faith. Because you and I were sinners. And we reject God. That's what sinners do in our sin. And God's not the one to blame in this. And so as we hear time and again, the scriptures are sufficient and there doesn't need to be something added to it or something new or something changed about it or apologized for in the Bible. But each one of you has Moses and the prophets. You have the scriptures. Listen to them. As faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, we hear in Romans 10. So then with this from Luke's gospel, if, if this is the warning here that God preaches to you, where's the comfort in this? Where's their peace? Where's their consolation? Well, dear Christians... It's found in God himself. Because you see, God is doing the very thing he teaches you is how you have eternal life. God's laying Christ crucified before you and in your hearing this day. So this one who knew no sin became sin so that in him you would have the righteousness of God. The one who had no place to lay his head while other, those who rejected him feasted sumptuously and wore fine clothes is the one who is your redeemer. The one who emptied himself so that in him you are glorified. So dear saints of God, Jesus says to you right now, as you hear his word, he says, I forgive you. I give you eternal life. It's yours freely. It's yours fully. And come to me and find rest. And boy, what an eternal feast that never ends, and good things that will never perish, 
That's what awaits you forever. The place of rivers of, of eternal life and eternal fresh refreshment, even as you have the Holy Scriptures now, which are as the, our formula of Concord calls it, the true fountain and source of Israel. They flow forth and quench your sin-parched lips with Jesus. Thanks be to God for these gifts and the new life that he has given to you, a new life that knows and sees what it is that you have. And together as the church, you stand together as his people, receiving these gifts, encouraging one another, supporting one another, living out this faith and lives to the world around us. So in our church, in our families, in our societies, those three estates that we have in this world, God doesn't then burden us with saving people, but instead we are, we are called to confess the very thing which he has saved us. We love because he has first loved us. It's Christ, and it's through these means, Moses and the prophets, the word of God. We speak these words. We point to these words. We say to our loved one, come and see, like Andrew said to Peter, his brother. And God is the one who does this work, and it is in his gracious hands. And thanks be to God for that, because we would certainly mess it up. So woe upon us when we don't speak. Woe upon us when we don't think we need need this or that we need something more, something else, some new method, some new style, some new argument that will somehow make all the difference and really convince them. No, Abraham and Lazarus had something. They had the promise of God. And in that, they had everything. They had the word of God. They had Christ. And they're forever in glory. And that's the same for you. The same God who dealt bountifully with them, who showed them mercy, is the same God who's dealt bountifully with, with you. So look at what awaited, awaited Lazarus after he dies. See the, that glory and know that that's yours and that the day will come when, you're, when you get to see what Lazarus really looked like, sitting there with him. And it's all without any cost, without any part on, your, on you, but God has prepared this for you. And he says, it's all yours, dear child. And that's the great consolation this day, then. It's the consolation of Christ. It's the promises that you are God's child now who has been forgiven of your sins, that you have eternal life, even as you go through this world and all that is uncertain and all that is changing from one min minute to the next, you're God's own child in the waters of your baptism. And nothing Literally, come hell or high water, or even the devil himself, they cannot take that from you. And so that's the inheritance you have with Abraham, with Lazarus, with all of God's saints. And God gives it to you right now. In that Old Testament reading, there's that great verse from Scripture. Abraham believed the word, and God counted it to him as righteousness. That's the same righteousness you have, the righteousness of Christ. And so he gives it to you in your baptism, and when you take into your mouths the very body and blood of Christ given and shed for you, promises accomplished, promises made, promises given, and the confidence and peace that is yours in this life, and even the confidence to die in Christ, knowing that you will be with him forever and your glory beyond compare. So go through this life with that heart, with that mind that sees your future glory to come, Cling to those promises of Christ and sing, Lord, thee I love with all my heart as your constant prayer in all times and places. And as a description of the Christian life in this world, looking forward to that day when stanza three is experienced by you firsthand. 
Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home, that I may die unfearing, and in its narrow chamber keep my body safe and peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me, that these mine eyes with joy may see. O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. Amen. <clears throat>